0: The Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Opperman and Jacob Brecht coming at you here on another episode of Steelers Standard. Preseason is in the books, training camp is in the books for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That means we can officially assign winners and we can assign losers for Pittsburgh Steelers preseason. We're going to go tit for tat in this episode, Jacob. We're going to throw out a winner, then we're going to throw out a loser. We're going to go bouncing back and forth so it's not just all negative at the front or all negative at the back. And a disclaimer, just because we have called someone a loser for the preseason does not mean that they will not be a massive contributor in a positive way for this Steelers 2021 campaign. Start with the winners and I think you could go one of either two ways with who was the biggest winner of Steelers preseason. What do you want to start? Tim? I'm going to go with James Pierre as my biggest winner. But I think number 56 has a stake to that claim as well. We'll start with Pierre, though, first wins that outside corner job and makes it so that it looks like Sutton's going to bounce onto the inside for the nickel package. And Pierre is going to be your outside corner. I mean, this was the biggest position battle heading into training camp heading into the preseason is what's going to happen with that third fourth fifth defensive back for the pittsburgh steelers and you hope someone forces your hand you hope someone makes you see the answer you don't have to go digging for the answer looking through film you just want it to jump out at you and it, it absolutely did with James Pierre. I mean, he looks like a starter. Every time he played, he played in every preseason game. He made a play that, that stood out, a couple turnovers throughout the preseason. He's turning the ball over a ton during Steelers camp practices. I mean, this is a guy that just looks like an NFL starter, checks all those boxes, and I think force the Steelers hand, makes him be that outside guy, even though they stated at the beginning of camp, we don't want to play musical chairs with our defensive backs. You don't have a choice now because my biggest camp winner, James Pierre, he
1: he forced your hand. Absolutely, he did. And I have no problem going with him as the number one winner or the other guy, Alex Highsmith, who will inevitably talk about as the other biggest winner here. But James Pierre, what can I say about him? I mean, this was a this was the position, Tom, that we were. Coming into this preseason, looking at mini camp off, of, off of that experience and saying, what are the Steelers going to do with their death at the cornerback position? Because yeah. you you were left with Joe Hayden and, and Cam Sutton, and that was it. After having four guys who you were comfortable seeing the field in whatever capacity or whatever position they were playing, you were so happy with those were your four guys at that position. And then not only did you lose one, but you lost two and you really really felt like you were left in dire straits there. But James Pierre kind of calmed all of those nerves because not only now do you have a guy who you say, well, we can use him in this way, not only that, you think that he can maybe even succeed or, or exceed expectations so much so that you're now just keeping Camp Sutton and that normal nickel or even dime guy that you used him for the past two years when you had all four of your pieces together James Pierre has impressed you that much that you're not even worried about using a carousel or or a different, as you said, keeping it fluid. This is no longer an issue, this cornerback position, and it's only because of the performance that we've seen out of James Pierre. I think that
0: he's the best option, clearly, too, as far as— putting out a nickel package and and making you you switch things around it it's the best thing that the Steelers could do I'm glad that it looks like they're going to be flexible and come off their original stance that it's Sutton's job no matter what on the outside and it's only a battle for that slot spot specifically I'm just glad that that thing shook out and, and changed uh going over to a loser contributing to one of these things that that created this musical chairs option now is Antoine Brooks. And this is a guy that is waived injured by the Steelers. Maybe he finds himself on IR for the remainder of the season and the Steelers can get another look at him in 2022, but very disappointing for the sixth round man out of Maryland. And I get that, you know, you got to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because he was a sixth round pick. So it's not like he was going to come in and expected to be a world beater, but he was at a point where they listed him as the number one nickel corner coming into camp it was his job to quote unquote lose and he just never even gave himself a chance by being able to stay healthy for much of the preseason so i hate to say it but he probably comes across as one of the bigger losers because all the other guys that i have listed on here as a loser that i want to talk about they're going to make the 53 man roster in my mind but antoine brooks was one that even though he still might be a stealer to come He's going to find himself wave injured and maybe on injured reserve if he's lucky for the remainder of the season but not as a contributing member to the roster in 2021.
1: I think the biggest signal of how much he will he should be considered a loser is the fact that he didn't even make it to the Carolina game, right? They had there, right. there were five guys that needed to be cut from that from that one round of cuts before Carolina the Carolina game happened on Friday night. You had <laughs> To go from 85 to 80, and then eventually you had to make your way from 80 to 53. He couldn't even make it to 80. Yeah, they kept like a Matthew Sexton over him, or uh, they kept an extra wide receiver or an extra
0: running back or someone else in the defense. Maybe Trey Norwood would have gotten cut if it wasn't for you not being able to stay healthy, you know? And you just never gave yourself that opportunity, like you said, to get to that Carolina game, to, to even make it through the majority of preseason before the final cut down gets made to the 53-man. And, again, it's important to remember he was injured slash waived. So there is still an outside chance that he spends the year on IR. Well, yeah, I mean, Maybe he, this is more of an injury thing than anything, but still massively disappointment and has to be categorized as a
1: loser for mm-hmm. the training camp season. He did clear waivers, so that's the one way that he could come back to play with the team. But, gosh, I, do, I had said this earlier in our previous episode. Even at a fully capable, fully healthy Antoine Brooks, if you have that available to you, I think the Steelers don't even consider him part of the team or, or someone they want on the team because if that were the case, they wouldn't have cut him so early, if at all, because people were saying or not even people, the Steelers said at the beginning of training camp, Death Chart one release date, we're going with Antoine Brooks as our nickel guy. That's it. That's how we're wrapping it up. Or that's that's how, list, that's how yeah. we're start that's how we're starting it. And I guess from what they saw when he was healthy and playing, even at his highest potential, it wasn't enough for them. And I think that is another big contributing factor to the reason he's no longer a part of their team. Not only was he unavailable to the team, but when he was, it wasn't enough. No, it wasn't enough. And
0: going back to the winner side of things, because I think it's enough on Antoine Brooks. He's not going to play, like I said, for the majority of the season. Alex Highsmith could make the case for the biggest winner over James Pierre. He's going to have more of an impact than James Pierre. It's 1A, 1B. When Melvin Ingram came in, I thought that it was going to be the T.J. Watt on one side, Melvin Ingram on the other side, and now Highsmith gets to fade back into his role like he had for all of his rookie season as that third guy, the first man off the bench in relief for either of those guys. And when you look around the NFL, as far as the national pundits think, that's how a lot of people talk about it. You know, when Melvin Ingram made his big play against the Eagles – or uh, excuse me, in the Lions game, people were tweeting, oh, Ingram opposite of TJ Watt's going to be scary, and they just aren't paying attention that even though Ingram has come in, and I don't have him on my list, but he's certainly been a winner for this training camp mm-hmm. period, Alex Highsmith has been with him every step of the way and looked better than him at every step of the way, and that's, talking about a guy in Ingram that's looked really damn good, so Highsmith has looked to make in a tremendous leap from his rookie season to his sophomore season now, and the the stakes were really high for him coming in and, and having to take on a role as a starter uh even before Ingram came in he thought that that was going to be the case but i think this is a guy that's ready to step in and it's going to happen flawlessly man i think he might not be as good as bud dupree was last year this coming season but i think he's going to be a hell of a lot better than bud dupree was in bud dupree's second year in the nfl
1: oh yeah i mean that's what that's the biggest or one of the biggest ringing endorsements you can give to this guy is Bud Dupree took four years. Really, it took the arrival of T.J. Watt for Bud to kind of find his niche, his role, and break out the way he did. Alex Highsmith, not only does he have T.J. Watt available to him at the start of his career, you could say, Tom, that Alex Highsmith, the way he performed, would have made not just made the final roster for the other 31 NFL teams, but easily could have been the starter for 31 other NFL teams. Maybe a few like the Buccaneers who are just stacked defensively. But maybe 30 other NFL teams, Alex Highsmith easily could have made the starting outside linebacker opposite of whoever they already have. And we all know, I just love to talk about it, He impressed a lot in minicamp, and then the first week of training camp, he was, before we were ever talking about James Pierre, it was the Alex Highsmith show coming out of that first week of training camp, and then it really tied a bow when it was that first game, the Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys. That spin move he had in a crucial goal-to-go situation to push the Cowboys back outside of the 10-yard line beyond the normal goal-to-go scenario. Without that, the Cowboys easily could have just punched the ball in on a short run, but he made that beautiful spin move to, to sack whoever, I don't know, Ben DiNucci, whoever it was for the Cowboys playing quarterback at Garrett the Garrett
0: Gilbert. How dare you get that wrong?
1: My, my apologies to Garrett Gilbert and his family, but... Come on! I mean, the way he came out running to start training camp, and then the first opportunity he had put a, a tackle a, in the spin, a, spin cycle, right? And in a, a big scenario and an important scenario yeah. when the when the Cowboys were threatening to score after you turned the ball over, yeah, exactly. I mean, just what a performance by him! And obviously, since then, we haven't seen him as much but for, uh, for, for good for That's reasons. a good thing, yeah. Right. They don't want to risk him being injured because even though Melvin Ingram was brought in maybe to use as a platoon guy alongside Highsmith, I don't think that's any any more so longer the case. I think it's Alex Highsmith's job, and you'll see Melvin Ingram sprinkled in there whenever you can. And I like the pressure
0: being taken off of him mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, The stress is now not going to be as bad as being, I'm the guy, opposite of TJ all the time because Jameer Jones is the next best person up or Quincy Roche is the next best person up and that's finally been alleviated with Melvin Ingram coming in he can be your third guy your first one off the bench spelling these guys and I just think it takes that big mental pressure off where if Highsmith you know you know you're not going to say this because you're a a potential star athlete Mm -hmm. but maybe Highsmith gets beats a couple gets beat a couple plays. It's not exactly like it's the end of the world. He can afford to come off the field, take a reset, breathe, talk to some coaches, and go back out there without the Steelers' level of play dropping off. So I think mentally it's huge to have a guy like Ingram behind him. And also – a guy who's played that position a lot longer than you or TJ has in this league and has been to three Pro Bowls himself. So somebody that you can definitely use as a sounding board.
1: I know you said he's not on your list, but I'll put Melvin Ingram on Yeah, mine, he, I mean, he's not one? a loser. <laughs> Certainly not, yeah. no. But he's been a, a quiet hero. I mean, or a quiet winner, rather. Alex Highsmith has made some noise, and it's the noise you want to hear from Alex Highsmith. But Melvin Ingram, doing just fine, right? He had yes. a big tackle for loss uh, against the Detroit Lions. Uh, early on, which isn't talked about as much as Alex Highsmith played because it was a sack compared to a tackle for loss. But still, just when he's out there, he's he's a good person to have out there. It's not that you're saying you're more comfortable with Highsmith because you're less comfortable with Melvin Ingram. No, that's not the case. You're happy to put both of them out there. It's just Alex Highsmith right now, younger, a little more quicker off the snap, off the ball. I mean, you you drafted him for a reason, right? So, you're going to be higher on Alex Heithner to begin with, but it's a good problem to have that you have both of these guys at your availability. Moving on to the inside of the linebacker spot,
0: probably the biggest loser out of a guy that's going to make the 53-man is Robert Spillane. Uh, obviously, he gets his job taken from him by Joe Schobert when the Steelers got out and the trade for Joe Schobert a couple weeks ago. Thank God they did because he did not look good in the Carolina game. He got beaten coverage a
1: couple of times, including you know, it, once for a touchdown. It's funny because he had that big tackle for loss that pushed the pushed the Panthers back, and then the very next play, he got burned for a 20-yard reception. Yeah, it's the good with the bad. He's a good run stopper. He's a good
0: blitzer, but he's not at all good in coverage. And when I saw him get burned for that play, when I saw him get beat for the touchdown, I said to myself, how in the world were the Steelers going to go into this season with him as their starting linebacker? And that was the reality we were living in uh, less than a month ago. Thank God they went out and they made that Joe Schobert trade. But – Jacob, he's going to make the 53-man. I'm a little concerned about Spillane, though, still as that third guy, that first inside linebacker off the bench. Hopefully the situations that he's utilized in are obvious, obvious rundowns, and if it is a passing play, it's they're so far behind the sticks that even if Spillane gets beat for 10 or 15 yards, it's probably not going to matter much anyway but any situation where one of the top two guys goes down and he's got to be out there for some cover downs, you're in a serious heap of trouble. It's so obvious to me that if he was your starting quarterback or starting inside linebacker opposite of Bush this year, that's where every team was going to go. They were all going to key on number 41. They were going to plan their entire game plan around attacking that spot. Steelers obviously fixed that weakness as far as their starting 11 is concerned, but he's just an injury away from having to really play a
1: lot, and that's concerning for me. It's just funny because last year when he came in, he came in with a bang. Obviously, that bang came in the form of a bang against Derrick Henry, but the rest of the season he really just struggled. And, again, we would we would never have even been familiar with the name Robert Spillane had Devin Bush not got down with his ACL season-ending injury last year. And – It's just been frustrating to have to talk about this guy so much just because, as you said, Tom, he is such a liability at the inside linebacker position. And even if it's for just to get Devin or Joe Schobert a little bit of rest, I don't even know if I want them resting on on a single play just because that means the next guy up is going to be Robert Spillane. I kind of am going to rely a little more so, even though it's ironic because you're always going to rely on them, I'm going to rely a little more so on Devin Bush and Joe Schobert to be able to stay out there for 100% of the snaps on defense because if they're not 100%, that means Robert Splain is finding, finding playing time, and that's not what you want to see. No, it's not. It's just, it's very concerning that he is
0: just a heartbeat away, like I said, from being out there almost all of the snaps. And,. It's going to stretch the defense then if he has to play very disappointed in what we saw out of Spillane heading into this preseason and this training camp. I mean, like you said, he comes in last year. He starts things off with a bang. Literally uh, pick six of Lamar Jackson uh, hits um, Derrick Henry in the hole for a big time stop, almost breaks his shoulder doing so to help preserve or yeah. to at least help delay the Titans from getting into the end zone. Eventually, and there was a lot of expectations he can come in and really grab this spot, and he just failed almost immediately once that role was ratcheted up at the beginning of camp this year. And thank God that they have a Hall of Fame GM in Kevin Colbert that can go out and snag a player like Joe Schrobert from a very poor organization in Jacksonville and a dumb head coach in Urban Meyer who is just bleeding assets right now. Yeah, say goodbye to no, Gardner Minshew, no too. no reason. Yeah. So. Thank God he was able to take advantage of that and shore up that inside spot because I can't think of a bigger loser that's going to make the 53-man than
1: Spillane. I mean, I'm done talking about Robert Spillane. I'll just do a little well, quick... You better hope
0: people stay healthy, then. I'll do
1: a little quick plug of what well, I meant for this segment, but, yeah, you better hope I, I we never have to talk about his his name again. But I'll do a little quick plug here on Kevin Colbert. You want to talk about Joe Schobert? Kevin Colbert may have just had the best combination of a draft and free agency maneuvering or 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 whatever you want to call it in in a given offseason by any GM in the last 20 years I mean it was uh, you could say I think you've said to me on air off air Tampa Bay going out and getting Brady which is a huge move for them congratulations but a combination of the draft Najee Harris Kendra Green possible another rookie line lineman starter and Dan Moore Jr. and then Pat Firemuth and then you go out and you get three guys who are all going to be starters on your team Trey Turner Melvin Ingram Joe Showbert what a job by Kevin Colbert
0: back to the winners column I got three guys that i lump in one and that's the rookie trio the top three picks I think Kendrick Green Najee Harris and Pat Firemuth all came out to varying degrees of success obviously I think Excuse me, Kendrick Green a little bit worse than the other two. Najee looks like he could be a top five back in the NFL this year. Uh, I think potentially he's there. Top ten maybe is his is his floor. Like, I think he's that I think good. I think
1: you're spot on with that.
0: I think he's that good. Um, Pat Fryermuth really made a name for himself when the starters were out there, being a big red zone threat for Ben Roethlisberger. And Kendrick Green has just been good enough to not relinquish that job to lesser guys like Hasenhauer and Finney. So I got the rookie trio as a winner of this training camp in this preseason period. A lot riding on this rookie class for Steelers' success in 2021, and that is a boat that the Steelers aren't too familiar being in. They don't like to rely on rookies that much. They're going to have to this year because those three guys, preseason showed that they are three really important cogs to this machine on that offensive side of the ball.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, you want to be – not too down on Kendra Green. But think about it. If Ben goes to a different guy on both of those touchdown passes, it's not Pat Fryermuth. We're here sitting, we're here sitting saying Najee Harris is at a floor going to be a, a top ten running back. Pat Fryermuth looks fine, and Kendra Green looks fine. It's just the fact that Ben went to Fryermuth on those two touchdown passes that were very high on him. I'm glad he did because it's showing that in those tight windows and 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 catching abilities for Pat Fryermuth That Ben can trust him So it's, it's great That he got that exposure Especially with Ben on the field Ben being the one throwing him those passes It wasn't just Mason or Dwayne Hasson's doing the job but still, Kendra Green. I mean, as we've said, sometimes when it's your name being called, you don't want it to be called at a certain position in an offensive line. If you're not really talking about them that much, it can be a good thing. I mean, we haven't seen many mistakes. We we've talked about the bull rush against Philadelphia, which wasn't great, but it wasn't a re- He wasn't a repeat offender for allowing something like that to happen. Yes, it happened one time, but again, rookies are going to make some mistakes, and I think Kendra Green is going to be just fine.
0: Is it unfair for me to call Eric Ebron a potential loser of this preseason training camp period? Because I guess that's a little harsh. He's gonna be the starting tight end starting the year, and maybe it's just a product of how nice I thought Fryermuth looked that I even think this is a possibility. But the the and I don't think this is unfair of me. The thing that is stuck in my head from preseason when I think Eric Ebron is the drop after Ben's scramble against Detroit. That's the only thing that comes to my mind. I know he had another catch in that game, and he's had catches in the other games. that He played in the Philly game and had a catch in that one as well, but— and the only thing I
1: see is that drop. It was right in his bread basket, and he dropped it like right through his hands. It's funny how you say that because the the argument I always make about drops is you're going to hear more about the drops than you are going to hear about the catches. But this, more so because of the effort by Ben Rothersberger to get him the ball, kind of vintage ben S. kind of reminded you, too, about the performance Patrick Mahomes had in the Super Bowl this past year where he was doing everything he, he could no, yeah, no to escape the pocket yeah. and – he was throwing the ball accurately to his receivers and they were dropping it kind of reminded you of that. I mean, yes, you were so excited to see Ben scramble around and escape the pocket the way he did. But when Ben would do that, when he was younger, he was throwing the guys like Heath Miller and Hines Ward who had locks for hands. I mean, those, those guys were not dropping balls almost ever. And it really disappointed you because I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Right. Tom, that, that play sticks out like a sore thumb. Because every time you've seen Ben make that, that type of effort to escape a, a collapsed pocket, 98% of the time, that ball is being converted for positive yardage. And this was one of the very, very rare times that that didn't happen and it came at the hands of Eric Ebron and it's something that we criticized him greatly for or strongly for last year was not we know he wasn't going to be a good pass blocker a run blocker we know that wasn't his strongest asset his strongest asset was to be a wide receiver but when you're a tight end who, sh- who should be able to do both blocking and catching and your catching ability is being questioned because of the drops and you have now in a preseason another chance to to kind of quiet those critics and you drop another ball after a, yeah, a, right. of a crazy effort by your quarterback that only makes you higher on Pat Fryenwith and lower on Eric Ebron. So you don't think it's that far-fetched for me a call him a loser? <sighs> it's tough because— Too harsh maybe, but it's trending now, in that direction. People are pointing out, too, on Najee's catch-and-run he had against Detroit. Uh, that forty-five or fifty-yard catch and run he had. Eric Ebron had a, had a key block. Get out early here. on. I'm just Get saying that's what here. the tape shows. That's like seeing Sasquatch. Eric exactly. Ebron throwing a exactly. Key block. Uh, 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 a key block by Eric Ebron is almost as rare as a converted pass catch by Eric Ebron at this point. <laughs> Finally, the last winner I
0: have, and it'll segue nicely into the final loser. We talked about uh, the loser. We're going to talk about. uh coming up in an earlier episode we did, so check that out at Steelers.com, the podcast page in Steelers Standard. But Kevin Dotson, best offensive lineman on the team in my eyes through this camp period, was in the doghouse to start training mm-hmm. camp, fought his way out of it, started against the Lions with the uh dress rehearsal game with Ben Roethlisberger, played and started against the Panthers and played well again in that one. I mean, he's checking all the boxes. I think I'm pretty high on Mr. Kevin Dotson coming out and having... No drop-off from his rookie season to his sophomore campaign.
1: So you said he kind of started off in the doghouse. I don't even know if I would call it the doghouse. Well, did. It
0: was motivationally
1: I driven, but he was there. A doghouse is something that Robert Spillane, Eric Ebron have kind of been in. Robert Spillane, Well, they're in it now. Dawson I mean, got I mean, out of it is what Spillane I'm was was in it to begin with. Ebron may have come into it a little more, especially with that drop pass, but— I don't really know if you can call it a doghouse. The same way it's it's very different, but I'm trying to draw a parallel here parallel here. The way people call it TJ Watts holdout a holdout. It's not a holdout. I wouldn't call it Kevin Dotson being in the doghouse. I think it was just his coach giving him a little extra motivation. And look what it did for him. You we said to start the segment, James Pierre, Alex Highsmith, one A, one B, the winners of training camp. Dotson may be one C in terms of his production, what you got out of him. The best-rated offensive lineman, I think, by PFF out of the whole preseason, if not top five. I mean, the guy just plays with such an extra level. It's it's such a comforting thing to know because there were questions surrounding him uh, because of the comments that Mike Tomlin made, and you we really kind of to get sk- kind of became more and more afraid of the performance of the offensive line because we thought the one sure thing was Kevin Dotson. But after seeing him in the preseason, there are no questions uh, that remain unanswered. Kevin Dotson is going to be just fine. And like you and I said in in an early segment to start training camp, a player who we predicted on offense to make his first Pro Bowl, Kevin Dotson could easily accomplish that this year and the last loser I have for you is Zach Banner and again yeah. it's just all
0: about the availability thing with him we need to see him come back from that injury and see him put together at least somewhat of a body of work before the season started and we were not able to do that he only played in 12 snaps in this preseason we needed a lot more from Zach Banner we needed a lot more of him gelling with that new offensive line so it's not a skill thing for Banner at, at least at this point. Maybe if he gets healthy and he plays poorly then we'll get there, but at this point it's just not being available to play and that's really hurting Zach Banner as far as I'm concerned. It's been a disappointing camp because of the health problems.
1: And I'll I'll go even one further. When he has been available, it's been nothing special. It's
0: been underwhelming.
1: It's been I think underwhelming is the right word. It hasn't it hasn't been detrimental. You haven't to the team. seen him out
0: there and been like, bam, that's your right tackle.
1: Right. It hasn't been detrimental, but it hasn't been something that you're saying, okay, at least when he's out there, he's great. There hasn't been a winner or
0: loser in the punting battle yet, which is very intriguing to me. We'll wrap things up here. You know, that's the final cut that I think everybody's kind of keeping an eye on. I know that they are at, I think, 71 guys right now. They got a practice today, a practice tomorrow, and then cut down is due at, I think, 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday. But they still have Harvin. They still have Barry around. I think that's probably the one. There might be a name that gets thrown out there, cut, that surprises us when we come back on Wednesday and do a show. But the one that I think I'm most intrigued in and most people are intrigued in is who's, who's punting the ball? Like, Absolutely. who's going to be the punter? Chris Boswell was
1: perfect. No, well, obviously, no, need, yeah, no need to talk about yeah, Chris Boswell. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, the question remains, who are they going to keep? You're not going to keep two punters.
0: And I think you're going to keep Harvin because why wouldn't you go with the rookie contract? I know that punters don't make crazy money, but Barry's going to make more than Harvin would. And you used the draft picked on him mm. because you were worried about another team getting him in the free agent signings period after the draft. You just want to throw him back out there to that free agents period. I mean, whoever the Steelers decide. I'll tell you this, Jacob. We're watching with bated breath on this. So is like. A handful of teams in the league who need punters because whoever gets cut, I think they're going to be gonna calling in fast. Yeah, yeah, no. And going to get the starting
1: position. Yeah. yeah, no
0: question about that. Teams that are struggling with punters through preseason are sitting there thinking the Steelers have two pretty good ones. So we. Yeah, definitely... it's kind
1: of troublesome because you thought after that Hall of Fame game for against Dallas, Barry just answered. When, yeah, when Harvin had that ball get down on the one yard line, Barry did not shy away at all. We were all saying, Barry not might Barry not. Might, ah, wow, Barry, might, Barry not. might not make it past the cuts to get from 90 to 85 or 85 to 80. And now here he is making it the hardest cut that they have to make. It, it, it really is. I still think they're going to go Harvin, but congrats to Jordan Barry for – solidifying his roster spot on any NFL that's a that's
0: a great way to put it Jacob congrats on in both of them really because Harvin's going to make a team too but congrats on Jordan Barry that you're not going to be cut and just left out Mm -hmm. to the wind someone's going to be calling you once the Steelers decide to let you go I lean that way too it's going to be Presley Harvin's job Punting the football. That's gonna do it for this episode of Steelers Standard and our winners and losers of Steelers Training Camp. Hope you all agree. You can take a listen to our previous episodes from today at Steelers.com. Just go to the podcast page and take a listen to Steelers Standard. We'll be back with you later this week when the 53 man roster is finalized. So we will break down that final 53 man squad for you on our next session of the Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Offerman. Thanks as always for listening to us right here on Steelers Nation Radio.